Hello, and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, presented by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Nice Jewish Fangirls is a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the wonderful nerdy things that we are obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Tamar Herman. Hello. And S.M. Rosenberg. Hi. As you can probably tell from the title, today we're going to be diving into Star Wars The Last Jedi, which is... Um, I don't think anybody was expecting it to be the most controversial movie of 2017. I don't know why it's so controversial, honestly, but um, yeah, whatever, yeah. we'll get into that. We will get into that, uh, but um, until before then, obviously, uh, we, are, we are recording this on uh, December 25th, so if you are of the dominant religion in this country, have a ha- very happy holiday. We really do wish you one, and uh, we're going to dive into our current obsessions. So, SM, you want to get started? Okay. So, my current obsession, I guess I'll do... Um, maybe we can put this on our Instagram so that people can see what I'm talking about. Um, I recently sewed my very first skirt from scratch. So, that was fun. I, uh, Yay! Yeah, I was inspired by the Great British Sewing Bee. Um, and I've been doing a lot of, like, sewing and mending and things and, you know, sometimes modifying clothes and, like, adding in panels of fabric to make it fit better. Um, and then I decided that, like, hey, why not? Um, I found, you know, this website called the Online Fabric Store and they have all different choices. And so I've been experimenting. So I made this skirt and it's just, like, it's a straight skirt. It's, um, it's about knee length. It's purple in the front and black in the back and the waistband is opposite so it's like it's got this color block look and it's I made it with pockets and I put sparkly um black fabric as the trim on the pockets so that looks cool too um and yeah it was a lot of fun to to make it um I modeled it after a skirt that I have that fits me okay and then I ended up, you know, it ended up being too big once I had made it, and then I trimmed it down and re-sewed the seams, and everything looks nice now, I think. Um, and I did that, you know, while watching TV and movies and things, and it was, uh, it felt, it made me feel very productive while I was, uh, while I was vegging out. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about that, and I'm thinking of maybe making a shirt next. Who knows? Ooh. Guys, the limit. <laughs> <laughs> Come back in six years when SM has her complete wardrobe. <laughs> um, so my current obsession this week is um, like insanely nerdy, um, but I I'm a huge podcast listener, obviously, and I uh, I most of you know our like my podcast that I listen to go on hiatus around this time of year, and I was like, well what am I going to listen to if I don't have any, like, episodes, you know, saved up or whatever? And I remembered that uh, I always hear these ads for The Great Courses Plus, which I had uh, seen for a very long time, or The Great Courses I'd seen for a very long time in, like, the back of the New York Times magazine. And it's always, like, learn Italian and, like, you know, great painters of blah, blah, blah. Um, But I'd heard a lot of ads for them on podcasts, and I was like, well, I'll look into it. And I've been on a bit of a history kick lately, so uh, I just started listening to uh, the history of the Black Death, and um, very exciting. I'm, I'm Something really, really happy. 
I not know. at all morbid. I was like, <laughs> I'm just gonna go for like the most metal part of the of you know history when that you I can. Think you think metal? Yeah, I know, right? Like it's 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 really in my wheelhouse. Um, but I I do have a slightly macabre side to me. <laughs> um, but actually, what I do I do particularly appreciate is that um, the uh, first of all the um, professor who does it is is a woman. And also, um, she does every so often uh, remind everybody that, like, yep, everybody blamed the Jews, and there were pogroms, and it was awful. And I think there's an episode coming up about that soon. So, um, I mean, that won't not it's not great, but it's good to know about. And I also learned that apparently the uh, community of Marseille in France um, resisted that urge and did not attack the Jews or or anything. And Jews would go there because they they heard that people weren't killing them there, which is which is great. Yay! Good job, like Marseille. Jews. Marseille. <laughs> so are they free? Are they free? Are they or is free there like Jews? a subscription? Oh oh oh! <laughs> the yeah. course is free. The, the um, great courses, not the Black Death. Uh, the um, uh, no, it's a subscription, or you can pay by course if you just go to like the Great Courses. I think the Great Courses mm-hmm. Plus is the subscription, but you have a, a free month. Uh, trial and you can listen to anything you want so um, cool yeah and they're like they're at least this course it's like 12 lectures all exactly 30 minutes you can watch them on video or on on you know listen to it on audio and uh i really i'm enjoying it a lot so we're not getting paid for that unfortunately but <laughs> check out the great courses plus uh tomorrow what is your current obsession uh, so my friend and I exchanged holiday gifts a few weeks ago, a few days ago. So I gave her unicorn paint, um, makeup brushes for her birthday. I really wanted to get her the Harry Potter ones, but they were too expensive. So I bought her like unicorn horn makeup brushes and she said they're pretty good. And then to keep the theme, she gave me the Nails Ink Sparkle Like a Unicorn set from Sephora, which we're also not being paid to advertise. I just really like it. Um, oh, I love those. They're so pretty. So- yeah, so it came with two nail polishes. I'm wearing one right now. It's a really pretty, like, rose platinum. Like, if you don't know what that is, it's, like, a silvery version of rose gold. So there's, like, a cooler tone to it, and it's really pretty. And there's another glitter one that I'm probably going to try tonight. And then it came with this, like, apparently ultraviolet is Pantone's color of the year. So I saw it, and I was like, oh, that's why this is bright purple. But then I tried it on, and it's a really actually a nice, like, sheer, glittery, slightly purple lipstick, like, I'm not going to wear it every day, but if I'm going to something kind of fun, like, I would definitely wear this lipstick. And then the thing, the icing on the cake is a face mask that when you put it on, you turn into a unicorn because, like, it has a unicorn drawn on it. And it's <laughs> supposed to make you glow like a, lit- a unicorn. So I haven't used that one yet, but I'm excited. And the nail polish is really, really pretty, and it's really, um, it's really sticking. And I've never used Nails Ink before, and um, this might make me actually go try some of their nail polishes. It's just a fun little set, and I was just like, oh, cool. Yeah, I saw those, and I, like, Sephora has, like, a 20% off once a year sale, and um, I, I saw those, and I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll get them. It's so pretty. Okay, fine, I'll buy it. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I prefer the, uh, the, like, purpley, bluish unicorn shade. You have to put on a couple of layers for it to get really opaque, but it's so pretty and, like, more oh, okay. I love it. That's good to know. Okay, I'm going to try that later and I'll send you a picture. But yeah, the lipstick, 
Honestly, I'm just like, I had it pulled up so I didn't get the name wrong, and I'm looking at the reviews now, and it seems like everybody's really impressed by the lipstick. Because, like, you see a purple lipstick, and if you're not a purple lipstick person, you're just like, okay, I'm never going to use this ever. But it's a really nice, like, kind of diamondy, like, it could be a top coat, and I'm excited to play with it. I, I'm not a huge lipstick person, but I've now gotten two lipsticks for this Hanukkah season, so. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to move on to The Last Jedi. Um, and I think we I just can... saw it yesterday. I just saw it yesterday, so, like, my thoughts are still settling, and I haven't had all the arguments yet, so, like, we can have them live. Yeah. <laughs> I've had those arguments about six times. If that, <laughs> if only that, this discussion is going to be full-on spoilers. Um, if you haven't seen Spoiler The Last Jedi, or you care about hearing spoilers for The Last Jedi, uh, don't listen. Um, but if you haven't seen The Last Jedi and you care about seeing spo- uh, seeing spoilers for The Last Jedi, then what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the movie's been out for more than a week. Anyway, um, that's not fair. People have children. They have lives. Not everybody. Mm-hmm. Lives. Have lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, so let's go around and start with something that we that we liked about the movie. Um, that could be our favorite thing or something that just, you know, stood out to us as a particularly nice moment. Um, Tamar, you want to get us started? Uh, Laura Dern. Mm. Everything. Everything Laura Dern. It was from fabulous. Her, from her hair Aww. to her to her kick-ass attitude. There were times in the movie where I was just like, oh, I don't like you. But then I, I liked her. Yeah, so, I, mean, I agree. I didn't like the way that they the writers were like, ultimately like they were jerking us around because she did have a plan and there was really no reason for her not to tell people what the plan was um See, my my thing was more i'm annoyed that they introduced this really kick-ass female character and their responses okay we needed somebody who was gonna do that so we're just gonna create a really kick-ass ca- female character and just kill her off like they I'm didn't not... like she didn't need to be the one piloting the cruise yeah idea. Like, there was no reason, any, any low-ranking person could have done it, you know? Like, there was mm-hmm. no reason, especially when you have a dearth of leadership, like, has been established. Whatever. There, there were issues. <laughs> there are issues, but I, and I, I totally agree, and I was really bummed that, like, she got, you know, act so, axed so quickly. Um, and especially, unfortunately, with, with Carrie's passing, I think it would have been, she would have been a really good character to have in the in their mm-hmm. holster. Maybe she has a twin sister somewhere in the galaxy. Um, yeah, but also shops at the Capitol in Pan Am. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think she was a really great character and I, I, it frustrates me when people are like, oh, she's pointless. What was she doing? It's like, no, she wasn't pointless. She was like the, the practical side of rebellion leadership, you know, when like Poe... making the tough choice. Yeah, and Poe wouldn't have like we won't get that as much coming from Leia in a way. Like I'm totally team team Haldo here, but like, I I don't, I don't think that like we we're inclined to be on Leia's side, you know? So like the second we see this new person who is maybe saying very similar things to what um, Leia was saying, but Poe is suspicious of her because he doesn't know her and he doesn't trust her. Like that just puts the whole thing in a different perspective. And um, I will say that her death is, um, among the top five Star Wars deaths for me, because that was a I think that's like it's like number one, no question in terms of like the special effects and the you know I think the the way they played with the sound especially was really cool. I really liked her, and I'm honestly I'm kind of wondering if they did have a discussion at a certain point, should we try to swap like digitally her her character dying and Leia's and Leia 
um, to give Leia kind of that final death. Um, Yeah, but, I mean, I'm happy they didn't. I really liked her, and I really liked how the director really made it quite clear that literally she's not has is taking no shit from from Poe because she is so used to men trying to direct her and she's just like uh I'm an admiral shut up like I'm not here for you yeah and there's the idea also that like I think a lot of people are saying like if she had behaved in the same exact way but been a dude you know Mm -hmm. a lot of people being like she should just explain would not necessarily agree you know I think I think that Poe would have mutinied if she if it had been a dude and he felt like you know didn't have a didn't have an idea of what was going on I feel like you know he just didn't have trust in this particular leader if it had been Leia if it had been Leia and they had that built up that trust yeah yeah I'm I'm talking about the way fans reacted not not Poe I mean I think Poe is really interesting because I do think he's partly surprised that she's a woman. Um, like when he sees he her definitely. for the first time. Um, but I, yeah. I, I don't think the point is like Poe is sexist. I think that the point is Poe is really bullheaded <laughs> and, you know, not yeah, as suited po, for leadership. Poe wanted to know what was going on. And I, yeah. I, I do think that there was really no reason for her not to tell them in advance that like, you know, this is going to be the final, you know, uh, ultimate goal of our, you know, of our escape. And, you know, because the pilots who are going to be piloting the ships theoretically, you know, should know that in advance, right? You know, so they can prepare. But like, there wasn't there wasn't a compelling reason for them to keep it secret. It just you know was to compel between the characters. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I do think though that um, her like it's very tied into the theme that she like her not telling Poe forces him to. Um, kind of take that let because because her you know she and Leia have the same goal which is to, to basically preserve as much of the resistance as as they can, whereas Post just like no let's take up the you know the not the Empire the First Order and I I really like that theme of you know preservation rather than attack. One thing that I really liked, um, I think that there was more explanation of what you know the Force is and like more of a demonstration of of the force and the philosophy behind the force than probably in any of the other previous movies like um a lot of the stuff you know is implied and it's fleshed out in you know novelizations and books but i felt like the scene between um ray and luke when you know they're talking about balance you know and um just the way that the force interconnects things and also, I really like the idea that, you know, has never really been discussed, but it was just kind of kind of there. But um, but the idea that the force can be um, can be basically accessed by anyone um, and you don't have to, you know, be of a particular lineage and you don't have to, you know, have been descended from previous Jedis and things like that. It's just, you know, the light is present in, you know, it's possible, it's a possibility for every human being. Um, and I liked that. And I, when I, when Michal was pitching us this episode, she mentioned that she wanted to try and, you know, bring in possible Jewish concepts. And so this was the thing that struck me as, you know, a possible, you know, parallel to a Jew and the Jewish concept because Judaism, um, 
it doesn't have a concept of if you aren't Jewish, you go to hell, that kind of thing. It's mostly, it's, it's like, if you're a decent person, anyone can be a decent person and anybody, you know, um, can be, can be rewarded in the world to come based on being a decent person. And it doesn't matter if you're Jewish or not, um, or what your ancestry was. It just, you know, depends on your individual, um, actions. Um, and yeah, so I like that, that concept and that it doesn't restrict the access to the force based on, based on you, you having descended from major characters that we know before and that you can be anyone and you can, you know, you can train and you can access and you can be force sensitive, um, regardless. So yeah, that was one thing I liked a lot. Cool. So Oh, so uh, it's funny that, like, you say that you think that was so major that they kind of reaffirmed that, like, you can be anyone from anywhere and still have a connection with the Force. Because isn't that the whole point of Anakin and the and the Phantom Menace is that, like, he's just a random little kid who's but he was a like slave. He was basically space Jesus. He was conceived by the midichlorians. It was an immaculate conception. It was a whole, you know, huge thing, you know? Well, yeah, but I still think... I mean, right. I mean, I still think, like, that was the point of, like, why they were so surprised in the first movie that this was their Jesus. Because, like, he was a slave. Like, I think it didn't really, like, we see from the, I mean, like, I know people don't like them, but one through three, we see how diverse the Jedi, like, order is. Is like, it doesn't matter what your race is or anything. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's some racism going on in the Jedi order, but we didn't see it in that films. Um, but like, there's a lot of diversity and there's a lot, like there's no sexism on the council, at least that we saw. I mean, I'm sure there's sexism, but anyway, um, but like, I don't think that I kind of felt let down by what you're saying excited you because like, yeah, it's everywhere. And that was a nice point for them to touch on, but I don't think it was necessary for them to necessarily reaffirm that point. Um, I was more kind of annoyed that, like, I don't really understand the point of the movie, of Ray, oh, not not the movie's connection, because clearly it's still a Skywalker story, because we're still dealing with Ben's story, but, like, Star Wars has always been about the Skywalker family, and when you're, when you're dealing with, like, a story that's literally about, like, this is a family story, like, this isn't about, like, world building that's like sort of around like a few characters well, and using them as a jumping off Skywalker path. story. I know, I know it doesn't have to be, but I always feel that that's like what it's based around, and I think that I feel like that's kind of a weakness and a limitation on it. It is. I mean, I don't necessarily think that Star Wars has the best writing ever. That's why there were a lot of moments in this film where I was like, "This is weak," and this is a cop out, and like suddenly Leia can do that. Like. <laughs> I mean, Leia should have been dead, but I don't care because magical flying princess, well, you know, we'll, we'll like talk, a we'll lot of it was that. like, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> Is that your favorite or least favorite thing we call? Um, it's neither. I have, I have thoughts about that. Um, I, I, um, I mean, I agree with, with, with you SM about kind of the concept of it. I, I still wish Ray had been a Skywalker. Um, not gonna lie, always. Gonna I mean, lie. I would have liked for Luke to have a, you know, to have kids, and you know, to see, you know, that particular relationship. But I also like the idea that, like, she's searching for a parent-child relationship, but it's that's not it. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, I do, I do 
think it's a very interesting place to kind of put the series. And and I do also sort of think it's it's a little bit different. Like like I think what you're saying is right, Tamar, um, in terms of like Anakin does come from nowhere. But we're kind of just on, as on a meta level as the audience, we're we're prepared for him to come from nowhere, you know. So it's l- less impactful, I think, than him than uh than than finding out that this character who we've been speculating for you know two plus years um you know but like were you surprised when they said that because i wasn't surprised as much as i was annoyed because i just felt like it was a cop-out probably because we've been speculating for two years but also because the previous movie was full of speculation about who she was and where she came from and that i feel like it's maybe that's not where necessarily jj abrams was gonna go um, I mean, like, I'm totally fine with the directing in this movie, but I'm just saying, like, it didn't feel like if I watched The Force Awakens again, I'd still be wondering who her parents are because the movie made me wonder that. We speculated for two years because the movie seemed to. Well, this want movie us to also, that like, question. the first thing that, like, when Luke sees how powerful she she is, his question is like, "Who, who are, are you? you?" I really like uh, the relationship. <laughs> this is going to make me sound like a horrible person. Um, between uh, Kylo and Ray, I'm I'm honestly I'm not not in a shippy way, um, but I yeah. I really thought that it was a compelling um, relationship. And while the first time I saw it, well, actually I've only seen it once, um, but but when I saw it initially, <laughs> uh, initially I didn't like the visual of it. That it was kind of just like they're in their normal spaces and um you know and then whatever just happens um but um but but the more I think about it the more I'm kind of like coming around to that um but I really I think you know both Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver are incredibly skilled actors and this this movie really let them show that and those conversations were very powerful moments for both of them I think they really do have Again, I'm not talking romantically, but I think they have chemistry as actors. Like they, they just they they respond well to each other, um, and I I was very kind of moved by that. And I thought that the things that they discussed, uh, you know, while they while they both kind of end up on the same side, I think that they take you through kind of a path where you you aren't sure exactly, but it, then it ends up making sense, the choices that they both make at the end. So I, um, yeah, I really like those. And that's kind of one of the, one of the reasons I'm most excited to see the movie again is because I really do enjoy that relationship. Yeah. They made, I think they made Kylo Ren much more interesting in this movie. Like they, they had planted the seeds of, you know, him being a conflicted person, but like it was, it was just, you know, bare bones in the in the first movie and in this movie they really you know developed that and delivered on that yeah although i i i really do think you have to give force awakens a lot of credit in the, in this uh area certainly because i i really do think that we wouldn't respond as well to kylo Ren. like if this had come out of nowhere then it wouldn't have played as well but i think that this is really a, a an added like a deepening of what we already saw um, whereas I think with Ray, I don't know if it was a deepening as much as like a slightly different direction, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but it wasn't as, wasn't as organic for me. Um, by the way, I totally I for- like- forgot. I meant to say, um, regarding Haldo, like rewind our conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you like her, check out Leia by Claudia Gray. Um, it's a young adult novel, um, set kind of like two or three years before A New Hope. Um, and uh, it's 
partly in, in that story is the story of she how she and Haldo meet, and so you get kind of Haldo as a as an extremely awkward Luna Lovegood esque young teenager. Um, so it's kind of fun. That's so interesting that they make her kind of Luna Lovegoody because that's not at all how I would imagine her as a teenager. No. Yeah, right. Like you would think she was much more. Yeah, but it, it's it, very no nonsense. Yeah, so everybody was kind of wondering, like in the you know people who had read the book, like is this how she's going to be? Like it says she talks in kind of like a flat monotone, um, but it's interesting because you can kind of see vestiges of it. Like um, I also think that they may have changed her character a bit um, from you know earlier uh, from initial initial filming to the final edit. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's not my favorite of the star wars can like new canon books but it's it's good and it gives leia some good backstory and there's lots of alderaan which is really nice alderaan's awesome guys r.i.p alderaan (laughs) (laughs) all right um let's move on to the stuff we weren't super keen on I just want to, you know, vent about I'm I'm in agreement with Mark Hamill that like, you know, a lot of the Luke stuff, you know, was was not, you know, it was it was written to get the character to a particular place, but it did not feel organic to, you know, the Luke Skywalker that we all know and love. Um yeah, that he would like actually come, you know, to attend and think about killing um his nephew and the son of, you know, his best friends and it was just, yeah, it was just like, this is not, this was not, this was not Luke. Um, but it was, you know, it was necessary to get him to this, to get this scenario to be even remotely plausible. He had to have done something as, you know, terrible as that. But, um, the, yeah. I, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to jump in there for a second mm-hmm. and like, I agree with you it's kind of random but at the same time I I do think that like I don't I don't know if we're feeling the weight of those 30 years quite as much as like and I I don't know that there was a way to make us feel that you know um but but for me it was kind of enough to know that like yeah Luke has changed and Luke has changed a lot and yeah but but I'm saying like the point when at the point when he you know came to kill Kylo Ren in his well, he tent. Did, he didn't when, come to like, kill him. Kylo Ren was just, I know he didn't come to kill him, but then like he, you know, he pulled out his lightsaber. Like, like my, I was talking about it with my brother, my little brother. And he was like, yeah, I could see him, you know, thinking about it for a second, but going so far as to pull out his lightsaber and ignite it and like be there, you know, like that, that was a bit much, you know, but I like, mean, he did think like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think this was, a, the, like, this was the guy I, who, who believed in Darth Vader. Right, you know, but there were no real sta- there were no stakes with Darth Vader. It was like either he, I mean, like I'm I'm sorry, I'm, I don't mean to like you. Like, you're totally entitled to your opinion. Um, I, the whole I, resistance was at stake at that point. Well, I mean, I mean, either he it was, was the final battle. If his, he couldn't turn Vader, they were doomed. Well, I mean, he, you know, they they were they were doing their fight regardless. They were trying to blow up the Death Star regardless. It wasn't really contingent on what Vader was was doing. Um, but I I, I mean. My perspective on it was, like, I really liked the way that we saw that go out because we, we saw kind of three versions of reality, right? Like, we saw what yeah, Luke no, I wants, did like that. Like, you know, it's powerful. What he wants to believe happened, what Ben does believe happened, and then what really happened, which was a, a horrible moment of, you know, 
insecurity and and self-doubt and you know whatever and fear um and I think that like I think just the filming of it like like emphasizes that more that like I think Luke was literally like a like a second away from turning his lightsaber off and leaving the tent and Ben woke up like a fraction of a second too early so I think that's like to me that's very tragic that that's how you know that's that that was the last kind of rending point in this relationship and and it was something yep. that Luke you know regrets so badly yeah, really no, I do really mean in the first place. It. I do appreciate the concept of it. I just feel like it just really isn't true to the kind of character that Luke was, you know. Yeah, I hear that. You know, like if it had been another character, maybe, you know, like if it had been I don't know if it had been Han, I wouldn't have because it's his son, but like if it had been you know, Luke's son and it was Han who was making the decision, you know, this sort of thing, you know, like Han is a more impulsive sort of character, um, and, and you know, less like and more cynical, you know. Um Yeah, so I just felt like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't organic to to who Luke was and like, you know, if he's gonna abandon, you know, his entire you know the friends and everybody that he he knows and then like when ray shows up with chewy and he's like where's han and i'm like dude you abandoned your friends this is what's going to happen when you abandon your friends in the middle of a war and like like he hadn't thought that through like it didn't make it didn't make sense you know it just i don't think he knew there was a war going on i i think he kind of did because like i don't see how he could possibly not know that like there's a resistance and there's stuff going on well i mean because he I, I think. I mean, like, I really know about the resistance, but like, I don't know that he would know that that was as, you know. Um, I mean, like, it, they say he cut himself off from the Force, but like, he clearly knew something of what was going on outside of his tiny little planet. Yeah, bits and pieces. Probably he knew up to the point where he cut himself off from the Force, but like. Yeah, I mean, like, this was my frustration in the first movie of just like the fact that he would sit out the entire movie uh, like that just felt like you know contrived writing ploy and not like luke skywalker um but yeah i was glad that he came back at the end and one of my other favorite moments was when he uh he brushes his shoulder off after having been like shot at by a bajillion lasers and he's totally fine (laughs) that's a controversial moment I know, and I'm like, why is it controversial? Because it's just so much fun, and, like, it's not like he did it. He didn't do it over the top, I thought. I thought, like, you know, he kept his straight face, and he just, you know, it was very brief, you know? Like, if he had been more theatrical about it, I would have, you know, probably had more of a problem with it, but because he was so straight-faced about it, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Also, Mark Hamill looked good in that sequence, like... Yeah! I mean, like... He had gotten a haircut. Like when he first showed up, I was like, "Where did he? When did he get a haircut? Who gave him a haircut? Where did he get new clothes?" And then when you find out, you know that it was actually just a projection. That everything made much more sense. <laughs> so, so just bringing up the projection. Can I talk about what my least favorite thing about this movie was? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was that they kind of just disregarded kind of what we knew about the force. Not that we know a whole lot about the force. I'm sure people who read the <laughs> books know a lot more than I do. But like, okay, first we have Leia surviving. In, in space, and then we have Luke projecting himself across <laughs> millions of planets. Like, are, are those things possible? I guess, like, when you're dead, you're connected to the Force and you can appear anywhere, but Luke wasn't dead. 
And it just kind of felt and like very contrived to me that, oh, magically, like we can't figure out how to get him from point A to point B in time. Although time does not matter in this film. Like when like um, Rose and, and Finn go to the casino and back, like that takes like what a minute, like ridiculous. I'm sorry. Um, but well, I, just felt I, like, I do think, sorry, just to, just to hmm. say one thing. I do think that the timelines are not, they're not all parallel <laughs> In the movie. So, All the like, ships move at the speed of there's, plot. There's weird stuff happening with that. There is definitely weird stuff happening. And I think that's, you're probably right. But at the same time, I was just like, so you're really saying that, what was it like in 16 hours? They have to get to another planet, find, like, get out of jail. Like, there was so much going on. I was just like, really? This takes 16 hours? I'm very confused right now about how, uh, like, they can travel that quickly or walk that quickly. Um, but I just really felt like it was not a cop out. Like, it was very cool what, what like Leia and Luke did, but, and I guess you could say because they're Leia and Luke, they're able to do this in a way that maybe other Jedi aren't, but like we have never ever seen Leia really do anything much on screen with the force. And then magically she's literally able to survive death and fly across the galaxy. Like literally that's what she does. And I felt like that, like I was literally sitting there like, does nobody else see that this is really weird and not something that we've ever (laughs) ever really seen before okay so like if jedi can do that then why aren't jedi just flying across the galaxy like i'm not joking here like if they don't need well she only flew a very short distance i know but like okay so like from a ship to a ship like why haven't we ever seen this before or why isn't this something that like wasn't a ridiculous surprise and like it just seemed really uh contrived to me as like a way to show how badass leia was which is like cool and it did but at the same time i was just like this doesn't make any sense. Like, how did she magically do that? Like, it was it wasn't the force to me. That seemed more like magic to me. And it was this, magic. It was definitely magic. <laughs> I mean, but it it just doesn't make any sense to me as someone who hasn't really studied the force so much because I haven't really read the books. But then Luke's thing also is just like, I get that you can reach out to the universe and feel different things when you're a force user. But can you really? literally go to war for millions of planets away. Like he is literally at the edge of the known universe or galaxy, mm-hmm. something. Um, we don't know really where his planet is. They, they say it multiple times. It's difficult to find. It's far. They say it's like literally, I think in the first movie, they say like that it's like the farthest of the known realm or whatever. It just seems like it's kind of silly to me that like, not silly. Like it was really cool, but, uh, they, I mean, they sh- kept showing that he had a ship in the water, and I just kept on expecting that they were going to use that to get him there. Like, you know, show him flying in on his old plane. <laughs> like, it would have been cool. Uh, so to do what they did, it was kind of like, I get that you wanted to show that, like, that he's cool and he's really powerful and that he dies from afar. And, like, that's how, that's, I guess, how they could make him beat Kylo in these scenes because he's not there and he can't die but he's still really powerful. So like, that's a cool way to get around the, how could Luke win and not be destroyed by millions and millions of lasers when Kyle is having a temper tantrum. But, but it just felt kind of like contrived and silly and not something that we know based on the force. Not that we know a whole lot. So like, that's, that's how they were able to do it. But I still think it was just like, we know that, Anakin was ridiculously powerful. How can we never see Anakin doing something like this? Like, if people are able to do it, obviously, I mean, it killed him. Like, Luke had to. Yeah, die. I think that was what the redeeming factor of it was. Was that yeah, but that it, know. it? You know, he could do it, but it cost him. 
But then would it have, like, could other Jedis, have other Jedis done that? Like, if, like, honestly, if all they had mentioned was, like, a one-liner or something when they were talking about, like, the Jedi, like, something, like, you can't imagine, like, what those books teach you or something, like, which they did, but they didn't, like, I don't know, if they had hyped it up enough that, like, Luke had really been learning how to be the best Jedi ever, I would have found it more believable. Instead, I was like, oh, this is really cool, but also this is kind of a cop-out for how to not get Luke there and not get him dead. Um, which, I mean, like, that's what movies are all about, about how to make something happen. But, I don't know, I just, like, didn't really believe it, both both of those things. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say about Leia, um, I think that um, I, w- I wasn't keen on the specific visual just because I thought it looked kind of very stiff and, and a little weird, but... Um, but you actually can survive in space. Like we, we're we're still we're, like scientifically, it's not quite as much of a death sentence like being sucked out into space as like fiction has let us believe. Um, and I don't get the sense that she was actually meant to be out there very long. Like hence the like the the visual of like the crystals slowly forming on her face and and stuff like that. Um, and and to me, like especially you know obviously they they couldn't have known this, but like. Whatever, whether or not Carrie would have been in, in the last movie, it was time to to see her use the Force, and it, it made sense to me that in a moment of extremists, like, she could... She's not doing that much. She's just, like, propelling herself through a, a weightless environment, you know. She's not really physically moving that much. So so to me, it was... Um, that was okay. But, I mean, I definitely, I definitely hear... Especially on first first viewing, I, I I am interested to see how many of these problems that like a lot of people in the fandom have, and some of which I have too, um, are kind of like become less prominent as we kind of you know sit with the movie and the movie sits with us, and we kind of get used to the fact that this is what happens. You know what I mean? Hmm. I also think I think the moment that like that kind of took me out of out of that scene the most wasn't you know her using the force it was it was her opening her eyes out in space i was like don't do that don't do that your eyeballs will freeze (laughs) and then that didn't happen so i was like yeah so that was that was my biggest problem with that scene but only because yeah space yeah space is dangerous (laughs) um so for me the thing i didn't like um i think was canto bite uh, the, the whole casino excursion, um, because I don't like, uh, triangulated side quests. (laughs) Like, to me, that's extremely writerly and video gamey, and, like, I do not like, you have to go to a place to get a thing, to get another thing, to get a thing, you know, um, and... And then it didn't pay off. And then it didn't pay off at all. (laughs) Like, negative paid off, it was actually really bad. (laughs) So, um, to me, like, I, I, I see what they were going for there. Like, I get the themes. I, I like the idea of, you know, the fact that the flame is carried across the galaxy and, like, the kids at the end, you know, will, will preserve the flame of the rebellion or whatever. Um, and I love Rose and I like, you know, I like her relationship with Finn. Um, and I, I, I liked seeing the two of them together, but to me, it was just like the plot was. It, there's like at least half an hour, and 
probably millions of dollars spent on something that ultimately just doesn't pay off in in the plot and we spend a really long time on it so yeah I I, I don't know what do you think yeah I've seen people complaining about it. it didn't bother me at the time you know but like after you know the whole quest doesn't pay off because like it builds suspense you know when you know they're navigating through this unfamiliar landscape and everything you know and there's this urgency that they have to find this person and you can't find them and you know and there was the cute thing of you know bb8 being mistaken for a slot machine and whatever um yeah so it was like it was fun but then you know when you find out, you know, where it all is heading and it is heading nowhere, you know, then it all, you know, just kind of collapses and means a lot less. Yeah. And it would probably be less fun on the second viewing because there's much less suspense when you know how it all plays out. Yeah. I also, I, I find it very difficult. This movie's tough for me because I, I have a sensitive, uh, I, I find it very hard to watch like space battles and like lots and lots and lots of, of, of people dying. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> this movie wasn't great for that <laughs> at all. Well, a lot of yeah, but you, but the Black Death you can handle, but not this. <laughs> well, that's like that happened in the past, you know. Like it happened or it didn't happen. This is like you know, lots and lots of yeah, yeah, dying know. right in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like all their ships are slowly getting destroyed, and I'm like, this is really demoralizing. Yeah, and the whole resistance, which we've already seen, you know, like a bajillion people die for in the first movie with the planets and stuff and then and then to have it like you know even even worse I don't know um one thing I do want to say uh just an, an extra like um shout out to Donald Gleason as as Hux because I love him oh so much he was so Every time he opens his mouth, I'm just laughing. Oh like I'm not, I know, like you're, I, it's like it's hard to tell. Like, are you supposed to really be laughing? But like, he's just really, really over the top funny in his, you know, evilness, and it's just he's so British and so villainous, and like, yeah, and Poe messing around with him in the first scene, that was yeah. great. And to to me, it, it made perfect sense because it was. He was that funny in The Force Awakens, but The Force Awakens wasn't quite aware of it, you know? So, like, <laughs> we weren't really allowed to laugh at him in The Force Awakens, even though he was just as ridiculous. So I like that 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 um, Ryan Johnson kind of, like, you know, was like, no, 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 this guy is not a serious villain. He's hilarious and, and allowed and, and was able to run with that because I, I thought that was a very strong point. I know some people were like, oh, he's like a children's villain. I'm like, did you see him in the first movie? Like he's like falling. I mean, in isn't 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 the whole thing that I mean, Kylo is Kylo Ren is also a children's villain in a way. Like he's very motivated by his child, like his childish needs to like get recognition and kind of betray everybody who loves him. And like we're we're kind of seeing that. Aside from Snoke, the villains are all well and Gwendolyn Christie, right? That's her name. Uh, yeah. oh, she was so wasted. So wasted. Um, but like, I mean, aside from Snoke, the big bads are all people who are kind of motivated by either like their selfish need to be recognized or just a childish need to be recognized. Um, like, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. really. I mean, I, I thought that was interesting because, like, we do know, we do know that historically, a lot of, a lot of like the villains of history, like Napoleon and Hitler, are the first two that come to mind. Were people who had like really weird childhoods that like they did need to kind of 
do things to to make themselves feel bitter and and in Napoleon's case taller. Um, <laughs> is that true? But, yeah, it was it was true. He was definitely. I mean, like people were short in those days, so I think that he kind of gets a bad rap for being so short. But um, he was definitely shorter than 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 was average, and um, there is there is reason to believe that a lot of not like a lot of what he was doing was because he was short, but like he he definitely had a complex. Um, I think he like married. He only like slept with women who were like a foot taller than him or something <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but I was gonna say something shoot about Kylo. I don't remember anymore. Oh, one other thing. The Snoke thing. Like, it was cool what happened, although I thought it was a bit um, obvious what was about to happen. Yeah. But, like, I just wish we kind of knew a little bit more about who Snoke was. Like, like, okay, I really think that, fine, there are questions that should, like, sometimes will never be answered. Like, Ray's lineage. Like, I get that they were leaving breadcrumbs for us to kind of be like, oh, no, surprise, it doesn't really matter. It has no... But Snoke, we literally see his huge face in the beginning, and we're just in the first movie, and we're like, who is that? And now they're just like, he's obviously the guy who turned Kylo Ren bad, but, like, where did he come from? We thought, like, we thought the Emperor was the last one, and, like, that's literally what the first trilogy was about, that it was the Emperor and Vader, so, like... I think apparently he's not a Sith. Snoke is not a Sith? I I just don't get it, so, like, I'm like, where did he come from? And, like, there's, like, everyone was assuming that he was, like, this ridiculously old figure because of his his face i guess <laughs> yeah. so like i i wish they had addressed that a, a, a teeny bit like just a sentence like even if him saying like i've been around longer than like your family line or something stupid like i don't even know i just was really confused about so he's not a sith does that mean that kylo ren is not a sith i know we like we talked about the knights of ren in the first movie and now in this movie we kind of like disregarded that completely i don't really know what's going on anymore and i'm very confused by this <laughs> Yeah, I, if for some reason I'm totally fine, and like, I think that's totally valid, but I'm, I'm, like, I don't care at all about Snow. Maybe it's because I've read some of the books and I kind of, I think I know what they meant to go for in terms of, like, where he came from. So, I'm, I'm just gonna, like, I, I really like the fact that, um, we take a different, uh, path than the other movies, you know, which is, always that like, oh, we think this person who we sort of have a personal connection to, whether it's just because Vader's super scary or because we find out that he's, you know, Luke's dad, um, you know, we think that they're the big villain, but then, oh, no, there's somebody on top of them, you know. Um, and we think that Anakin's going to, you know, become the big villain, but actually, you know, Sidious is, is worse. Um, so so for me, I, I like the idea that, like, we've actually been building to the villainy of Kylo Ren, uh, instead of Snoke, to me, I, I kind of like that better. But but who is Snoke then? Like, I just want to. I know I'm. Snoke I've is a, a plot few, device. I've read a few things that are like, no, it's not. But now I'm not actually caring about any speculation because it just means that like it doesn't matter anymore. Like, they they've decided that speculation of theories that they raise in one movie doesn't need to be answered. Um, so I don't really. Karen? Yeah, well, we'll see. Just, we'll see if that continues. I don't know. It, it'll be very interesting yeah. to see how that like plays. I mean, out. yeah, I think like the issue, you know, for a lot of this is that um, the movies aren't being made by the same team. You know, like every movie has basically its own 
team of people working on it and like they don't necessarily even communicate between the movies so it's like it's it's very disjointed in that sense and i think that you know some of the continuity is just like yeah well you set this up in your movie but i don't really feel like exploring that so i'm not going to bother doing anything with it in my movie you know and then like if you want to in your when it, you know when it when the football gets kicked back to you you know then if you want to do something you can do something then but well is um, it getting kicked back like i mean I like think nobody's JJ Abrams is coming back for the third movie. Oh, is he? He is, yeah. Oh, I hate this. Yeah, I did, but I honestly... don't think that was the plan. I don't think that was originally the plan either. I think they had a different director and then they fired him and then they brought J.J. Abrams they, back. They did. Colin Trevorrow was, was going Yeah, to. so they had three d- different directors m- mapped out for this uh, for this movie, for this movie's trilogy. So um, I think that, you know, some of that, the discontinuity can be chalked up to that. I just don't, I don't think that helps series no, particularly no, I don't. And, and i really did feel like when i walked out like i was like if jj abrams had directed this then we would have then the two years of speculation would have been answered and this way i don't know jj abrams is not so good at answering his own questions that he raises <sighs> that's true well i, I don't know it's, it's complicated because they i mean to say that they aren't being made by the same people is also not strictly true because there is a story group that is coordinating you know the events i i, I do Booted. think what it's, they are the directors, so it's not like they're the writers, you know. So they're but well, no, they they are. I mean the the I mean the director and writer of the movie, J. J. Abrams uh, for the Force Awakens and and the next one, um, and Ryan Johnson for this one. Um, they do have a lot a lot of freedom, but in terms of like, you know, con- like conflicting stuff and and whatever, like the. I, I, I just I just want to like make it clear that there is like a governing body of Star Wars that is keeping an eye on this. Um, I do think that it definitely would have um, been to their advantage to lay out a general plot beforehand, because <laughs> apparently JJ wrote the first one and was like, "All you, Ryan," and then Ryan was like, "Great, I'm just gonna do this, and Colin's gonna do whatever wait. he does next." Are, wait, are you joking? No, I'm, this actually happened. Yeah. God. But so Fair. you know, why didn't they have a woman involved in this? This would not have happened. Well, there are a lot of women <laughs> in the in the story group, and Kathleen Kennedy is a woman. Um, so there's positives and negatives to it. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, this is why I'm cautiously optimistic for Ryan Johnson's. Um, his he's getting his ho- his own trilogy, right? Yeah. Um. So uh, then he'll have you know, it'll be his entire canvas. And he won't have to worry about filling in other people's blanks. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm like, I know a lot of people are anti Ryan Johnson right now, but I'm like, in a, in his own little Star Wars sphere, go ahead, dude. Like, I'm not. I mean, I don't think there's anything to be anti of him. I think that he has a different, very different take than the previous, yeah. like J.J. Abrams. But I mean, it, I think, I think together, it doesn't really make so much sense to me. Like, it was so blatant how different the directing styles were. Like, it was very, honestly, it was jarring. So, like, I think that's a valid criticism, is that, like, it was so different that it was, like, kind of something. But, like, I'm excited for a trilogy by him. It'll probably be funny. It has some really great battle sequences. Like, I'm here for it. Yeah. 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 I feel like if J.J. Abrams had directed um, this one, then it would have been, like, very much a mirror of um, Empire Strikes Back. And I don't particularly want to see that so i don't have a problem with that with um ryan johnson going in a totally different direction well i mean just to just to say about that i mean like i'm i'm a little bit 
I'm a little bit, I, I find it a little bit ironic that the, the general conversation after The Force Awakens is like, oh, this is just like, you know, A New Hope. And Ryan Johnson lifts dialogue and scene structure and like scenes from Empire and, and Return of the Jedi. And everybody's like, this movie is so original. So people kept on, like, I literally had a conversation with someone on Chavez where they're like, no, this is not a copy of, M- of The Empire Strikes Back. I was like, this is literally a copy of The Empire Strikes Back. Also, did you guys see how the ports came about? Because they announced that yesterday. They, they confirmed were puffins that. and they had to cover yes. them up. That's very cute. So cute. Yeah. I, I, I will say, I was prepared to be, like, so angry about the Porgs and think that they were just in there for merchandising. I thought they were fine. They ca- they popped I in wanna... every couple minutes. It was sometimes, it, like, was a little, it was a little much, but overall, I I thought they were they were adorable. I want to see the the Vulpixes. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to see some of those like merchandise. They were so cute. Yeah, definitely I not cuddly. The Crystal Fox also definitely so so. Plus, they saved the rebellion. Uh, was it, whatever, yeah. whatever they are called now. <laughs> I, I mean the, the ten people who yeah. are alive. The Land Brigade. Uh, yeah, but. Um, about the the, the porgs actually because I have thoughts on porgs um, and not just that they are probably kosher um, <laughs> but I thought it was like if the movie hadn't if Rand Johnson hadn't gone out of his way to make us laugh at certain scenes then the porgs would have been ridiculous like a lot I mean I always I really love Return of the Jedi it's my favorite movie from the Star Wars the original three um, which is probably probably because I liked the Ewoks and I was little when I first started watching them. But like I was a kid and the Ewoks were funny. Like I didn't really see it issue with yeah. it as a kid. Um Ichawaba. Yeah, like they were cute. Um Yeah, they were so, fun. But at the same time they I mean like they gave a plot point, but they weren't like like the porgs were just there to kind of be these like cute little things and give Chewie a few more spots of camera. And, like, they kind of had to work with them, obviously, because, like, of the natural environment of the island they were filming on. And But I didn't think, like, they took away from anything because we already had other scenes where we were laughing and, and kind of, like, had those lighthearted, charming moments. So if they hadn't set the... If they had set the film as, like, really, really serious and then there are porgs and, and alien nuns, like, then it would have been weird. But I think because, like, they were, like, the whole film... Like, we're supposed to laugh at Hux. Like, yeah. There's a lot going on in this film that I think was very well balanced humor wise okay. in a way that the first movie I don't think was. Yeah, there's there's a wryness to I mean, that's funny to say given Ryan Johnson, but uh-huh. there's an <laughs> R Y E wryness um to to what to his sensibilities that I think sometimes falls flat but as a whole serves the story really well. Yeah, there was a lot of irreverent humor, and like part of me was like, you know, this is a bit much for Star Wars, um, but it was still an enjoyable experience. Like it didn't feel like it was a bad movie because of it. It just didn't necessarily feel like it was evoking the atmosphere of Star Wars. Um, but yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't like it was too much. Yeah. So to wrap up, um, yeah, I did. I did kind of ask everybody to maybe see if they had any Jewish ideas that, that, you know, they saw in the movie, which I'm not even sure 100% what I'm asking when I say that, because, like, I don't, I don't necessarily like those things where it's like, oh, all the Jewish lessons that we can learn from XYZ. Um, <laughs> but I think that Star Wars is a very, you know, it's a, it's a mythic tale, and it's a grand tale, and it ha- especially this movie has some big ideas in it. So, um 
you know, SM, you, you, you mentioned already. And Tamar, you said something interesting um, in, in, our, in our Facebook chat. Yeah, the idea of, like, um, the actions of the parents affecting the younger of the children or the older generation affecting the younger generation. And, like, we literally see that quite blatantly here on multiple occasions, uh, particularly with Luke and, uh, Ky- and Ben or Kylo. But um, I don't know. And Ray, obviously, with her parents not being anybody's, like, that affects her, gave her a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, a little um, bit. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, there's no, some, no. I, I think going on here with that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's really um, a good point. Um, and for me, I, I think I just want to touch on like the fact that a lot of people are talking about how this is a movie about failure, and we're not really used to that in a Star Wars context. But like, if we want to talk about like you know, the, 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 the idea of repentance, um, that, and, and redemption that we kind of touched on in an earlier episode. Um, I think you could make an argument and I would have to see it more times and, and flesh it out more, but I think you could say that the redemption arc in this movie is Luke's. Um, obviously we were kind of maybe, or, or if you'd asked us before the movie, we probably would have said like, if somebody's gonna have a redemption arc, it's going to be Kylo. Um, and who knows what's going to happen in the future? But I think in this, he had movie, a truncated. He had a he had a truncated one because like they were clearly you know like half the movie is you know amping up to the scene with Snoke, and you know and then you have that moment and then there's Ray and Kylo fighting alongside each other and you feel like you know this could be the start of you know some kind of redemption, um, but then then it turns right. Well, yeah. Well, don't you think that's kind of the point of this trilogy in regard to Kylo? Like oh, definitely, that, definitely. Because like um, the whole first trilogy, we're cleaning up Vader's mess, and the second first trilogy is about like how like he could have been good or evil, and this one's just like he could definitely have been good or evil, and he chose evil on purpose, and like we're just done. Skywalkers are shitty dudes. <laughs> <laughs> they are honestly like. When, you know, like, the whole, like, bringing balance to the Force? Yeah, they made the Sith survive. They made evil thrive. Like, I guess that's balancing out the good that was going on before then and thriving. I don't know. Stupid. Yeah. Skywalker men are stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was never really addressed about, like, you know, bringing balance to the Force. Like, what about it is currently unbalanced that needs to be balanced? You know, like... In the... In the, fr- in, in the original, the, yeah, prequels, like... I mean, I think, based on, like, the Jedi, they probably think that, like, balance would be never having evil, but that's not how balance works, which was why I always thought it was really problematic. But um, but for the Sith, it was... For the Sith, it was balancing out the Jedi's stronghold, which is what, what Anakin did. Like, Anakin balanced the Force. He just balanced it evenly instead of in one direction. Well, I think he tipped the pendulum the other way, and then they had to fight back. And I don't yeah. know. It was pretty. If like he hadn't killed all the youngins, then it would have just been some Sith and some Jedi, and it would have been okay. Damn, people killing babies. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Skywalkers really need to stop doing that. Well, so I'm saying I think that Luke had a much better, you know, um, grasp of of balance uh, in this movie than we'd seen you know, demonstrated in any of the previous movies of, like, you know, that it's not just about the light or about the dark, it's about, yeah, the combinations, and 
Uh, I know we've been talking for like an hour, but the hole in the ground on the island? Yeah, what we, the heck? Are we going to explore <laughs> what that was? Well, it was just like from Dagobah. It doesn't have it, it it's just a thing where you go down there and you meet your soul or whatever and then you face your worst fears and But so it's a bogger like or it like I, I don't I don't know. Like I uh, I really didn't like that because they were setting up this island as like the hub of all force in the world and then like here is the jedi temple and then there's the bat and like fine okay there there's balance right there but like don't just have her fall down a hole and honestly she didn't really do so much down there like literally she just spoke to kylo ren well, she snapped her fingers, and that was a really cool sequence. <laughs> that was a cool. That was a cool videography <laughs> sequence. Yeah, um, but like, I don't really. When she fell in the water, I was like, "She's from a desert planet. There is no way she can swim." But... I thought that too, and I was just like, "How is this happening?" That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Maybe she went sand swimming. I don't know. <laughs> When, when she saw the hole in the island in her mind, I felt like that was a really cool visual if it was a metaphor, you know? And then you find out that there's, like, actual literal hole in the island like that, and I was just like, aww. Oh, this is really random, but I just realized the Leia scene that I had huge issues with that I still have huge issues with, like, with her floating in space. I mean, we have seen Luke survive in space for a few minutes when, like, after Vader cuts off his arm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, the, the, the physics part of it bothers me a lot less just because, like, physics and, and the, the practicalities oh, no, no, of the space physics. and Star Wars are, like, ugh. For me, it's more that, like, we didn't know she could do anything for real except, like, for telepath. Right. Like, I just always assumed she yeah, could. I mean, like, we also haven't seen, like, all the intervening years and she had a very small part in um, Force Awakens. But, but that was always, like, Leia was never the Jedi. Like, she was never... But they... Oh, I, I mean, it was set up in, like, The Empire Strikes Back when, you know, he finds out, like, you know, there... Or was it... I, I'm not sure. I think it may have been Return of the Jedi when he has that conversation with Ghost Obi-Wan. Yeah, that, that, that they, there is another... Yeah, yeah, No, I mean, like, yeah. it makes sense that she's Force, like, um, whatchamacallit? Sensitive. Sensitive, thank you. So now and that I remembered the, the, the... Now that I remembered the, the, the scene where Luke did survive in space, it makes me feel a little bit better, but um, I'm still, like... I don't know. It would have been a, a good way to send her off because then literally she would have died in space, choked by her bra. Yeah, <laughs> drowning in moonlight. Well, I wouldn't have wanted her to be killed off that early in the movie, honestly. But I probably assumed... have to kill her off in the opening crawl of the next movie. You know? I don't think. I don't think they're gonna even. They said she wasn't included in the next movie. I thought. Well, like... she was supposed to be. It was supposed to be kind of Leia's movie. Uh, and uh, obviously they can't do that now. Um, I hope her daughter gets a bigger part. I know. I think I think they will definitely do that. But I, I liked I, her. Yeah, I liked her a lot. If Can anybody doesn't know, uh, yeah, she had the girl with the braids was Carrie Fisher's daughter. Yeah, the little cinnamon buns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, yeah. As, if Kylie has love twin, child. her, not uh, yeah, <laughs> not right. Also, uh, the, at the end of the movie, um, there's I I have only seen the movie once, and like some of the people that I saw the movie with caught, caught saw what I saw, and other people didn't. But the the little boy who starts sweeping um, on the casino planet, um, so 
did did you guys see that the, like it looked to me like the broom he reached out for the broom and it moved into his hand um and other people didn't see that and i'm not sure if that's what we were supposed to see or if that was my that's, imagination isn't that exactly what we were supposed to see i don't know some people didn't see it you what know? were they blinking no it, it i don't i don't it was what we were supposed to see. I did not see it. Um, but I, Wait, but what? I, How do... <laughs> because I, I it just depends where your eyes are focusing in the scene. I like I didn't, I didn't notice that, but I did notice that he had like the, the, the like lightsaber stance. So that's what I got out of it. Like uh-huh. I kind of got the same thing without, without seeing him actually use the force, but yeah, he, he does use the force. I guess because I was seated really far back in my theater that I had a good perspective of everything. Yeah, we that was the last show. Um, but I think, I mean, I would be really intrigued. I don't, I really don't know how much Ryan Johnson told J.J. Abrams, I'm going to do this or that, whatever. It'd be really intriguing if somehow the revolution comes from, like, the people around the planets rather than from the rebellion um, yeah. against the First Order. Like but also, I still don't really understand what happened with the First Order and how they got from... Oh, they don't, they don't make sense unless you read the novels, I think. But the Empire died, and then what? The First Order just took over? Like, that would make sense, and that's what happens. But, like, it's very confusing to me yeah. as a non-book reader. Are they? Well, no, yeah. I am a book reader. I don't read the Star Wars. <laughs> Tamar <books>. never reads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Or whatever. I'm not going to even tell you. I'm reading a really bad series right now. Um, well, just, just to, just to um, address that, and I'm not, like, defending what the movies do or do not say, because, like, you shouldn't need extra material. But, like... Um, they they do imply that like the the very remnants of the empire after the battle of Jakku um, escape with uh, Hux's father um, into the like unknown regions or whatever and they like dark space or whatever it's called and they just um, and then somehow you know over the years they kind of come back more powerful which people attribute to like them finding Snoke and etc. Um, ah, okay. So that makes yeah. sense. And if they'd given us one line, I would have been happy. Yeah, yeah. I think it could have been fleshed out <laughs> to a, a tiny bit more. Um, but I think that that's been quite a, a long conversation. I think we had on a lot of good points, um, and I'm glad that none of us succumbed to the dark side because um, I've definitely seen people who I would not expect uh, succumb to the dark side of, of due to this movie. Um, but um, do you guys want to say anything else or are you ready to wrap up? Um, I just want to give like uh, a shout out to the the battle on um, whatever it was, the name of the planet where Pray. they have the final battle. And yeah. like there's all the, you know, the red salt. Like there's no reason for the salt to be red except for the visuals. And the visuals were pretty awesome. Yeah, I think I think the visual uh, concept of crate is one of my favorite things from the movie. Um, the, so the salt is not red; the salt is white, and then under that is the red crystal. Um, okay, so. so like, yeah, it was just like there's there was just there was some kind of you know crystalline material that oh. was you know, and then they have like these speeders that are like scraping the surface for no reason except for visuals you know like a lot of it was just it was clearly just for the visuals but i was okay with that because the visuals well pretty wasn't that wasn't this the smoke it wasn't it to create a smoke screen essentially so that the shooters wouldn't be able to aim so precisely i don't think it worked though because like this the trails were all like right behind it it just made it very easy to track where you were yeah i mean i could see them thinking though 
the, that the smokescreen one, especially when the sh- the the guys were down in the pits, it could hide them. That was what I was thinking. I mean, it looked. I mean, it was for visuals, but I thought that was like the only the only way that it would make sense. Um, I also know we didn't discuss this, but like, a yay Rose, but also like. Finn just needs to shut up and go somewhere. Like, I really like how he's played, and John Boyega is amazing, but, like, I'm so sick and tired of his character. Like, I think, yeah, they didn't really know what to do with them. I think, you know, they found a role for Poe, and they did something great with him. And then John Boyega, like, uh, I don't really get what they're doing anymore because they kind of had, like, introduced him as, like, Ray's buddy, and now Ray's not there. So. I don't know. I, I kind of wish that they had sent him to the island with Ray and like maybe he could have had like a side quest, yeah, but like to discover who he is a little bit. Like just some like I don't know. I, I thought I really liked Rose. I really like Rose, but I don't really get what they're doing with with John Boyega's with Finn at all. Like and also like they just like, here we're gonna give him a fight scene because magically now he knows how to fight and that's it. I don't know. I'm, I just, I don't like, there was a lot of yeah. subplots and a lot of side scenes that I were just like, mm, this is random and just. Mm, yeah, I feel like if the side quest had paid off, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, they had succeeded, then it, we wouldn't be, you know, thinking about it in those terms. But like, once no. it doesn't pay off, it's like, what, then you have, to, then you look back and you're like, why was this even happening in the first place? And like, what was this character's point? You know, well, no. like, I don't really know. I mean, I think I agree with Michal that a lot of people say this movie is about failure, so I don't necessarily mind that the it didn't pay off. And also because if the final scene was about them spurring hope in people, so, like, it did pay off. That, that's exactly what they did. I think aside from that, because I thought that was really cheesy and I thought it was silly, like, I wouldn't have needed the the, the casino scene at all, except that they wanted to do a casino scene, clearly. Um, but, like, it didn't matter to me that it failed. Like, I think that the movie was a lot about like how people are innately not necessarily good. Cause like Kylo knows that he should be good, but he doesn't want to be good. And we have like our thief and who is great. Um, I don't know. I had issues with the thief. <laughs> I mean, I had issues with it cause he was a jerk, but I think that the, the if they were doing it, the storyline, like I think it was fine that it failed. I just didn't think it was necessarily a storyline that I needed. Like I kind of wish they had condensed the. I mean, the movie was really long. Like yeah. I thought that, like, yeah, I agree it was with like Michal's, two and a half hours. I agree with Michal's, like, I didn't need a pointless side quest. that, And even more so, I didn't need it because it failed and ended up being ridiculous. It gave us some Ma's amazingness, but um, I would have rather a scene with her instead of the seven scenes of them just wandering around a planet and freeing, freeing some animals, which was nice, except they yeah. didn't free the slave children. Yeah, I mean, part of it, I think, is that, you know, Finn in general is is very vaguely sketched and like this goes back to the first movie is Mm -hmm. that like you know he just he has his origin and that's like the entirety of his character and everything else is just john boyega doing what he can with the very thin material that he's given i mean i i actually i disagree i think that a lot of uh for for the exact reason that you said i disagree i think that a lot of what um finn's journey is is finding out who he is you know and he does kind of like he 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 bonds with Ray in the first movie because she's like the first person he sees and first person who he like creates a connection with. Um, and then that becomes like his connection. And then when he's, I, I, I really understand, I, I, 
look, like, on the one hand, obviously, I wanted all these characters to interact more and, like, be together and, like, have adventures. Um, on the other hand, I understand the logic of, like, being, like, Ray is, is uh, Finn's human lifeline, you know, and then taking that away from him and that being the motivating factor in everything he does in the movie because I think that it really is, you know. I, I think his, you know, suicide charge at the end is a lot, is, is significantly motivated by the fact that, like, he doesn't know where she, she is. <laughs> you know, he doesn't know if she's alive. Like, ultimately, it's like, what's the point? You know, I might as well just go out with a bang. So, and and, and I do want to give a shout-out to Rose's... Um, like her statement at the end, which is very cheesy. I'm not going to say it's not cheesy. It was really cheesy. I'm not such a fan I, of that. I, I, no, I love the sentiment of it. I think that, that that's the one of the messages of the movie that like you do, like you can, you can fight for the right reason, like if, for what you think are the right reasons, you know, but like ultimately like it's, it's what you're willing to do. Um, and the way you're willing to fight and like what sacrifices do you say like this just isn't worth it which is what Leia's trying to tell Poe at the beginning of the movie um uh you know that 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 to me kind of make the difference so um I have some issues with the blocking of that scene I don't like it when people faint suddenly I don't think they should have kissed but um but I do like the sentiment there a lot I'm sure we will have more to say at some point in the future about this movie because um for better or worse uh and I, I think for the better there really is a lot to say about it. There's a lot of layers to this movie, and I'm, I'm really interested how we and how the Star Wars fandom will um, synthesize this into our, into our wider concept of Star Wars uh, going forward. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has, of course, been Nice Jewish Fangirls. If you'd like to find us on the internet, you can find us on Twitter at Jewish Fangirls. You can email us at NiceJewishFangirls at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at uh, nice Jewish fangirls where you can watch our um, the live version of the uh, previous episode that we put up which we recorded together um, we have some interesting ideas cooking for the new year and if you guys have any suggestions, thoughts uh, people you'd like us to talk to things you'd like us to talk about let us know, We're, we are always open to your suggestions, we love chatting with you hearing, with you, hearing from you um, also don't forget to leave us an iTunes review and rating on iTunes Dot com. It's not iTunes.com, it's <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> Your local iTunes, please. Because uh, that really does help people find us. Um, Tamar, where can people find you on the internet, please? Uh, people can find me at Tamar Writes on Twitter and Instagram, and also read my articles on Billboard and Forbes. And SM, how about you? You can find me on Facebook, and you can uh, find my fiction on Amazon.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Ink as Rain, and you can find my writing at Hypable.com and some more of my thoughts on Star Wars at Grok Nation. Um, and you can also find Jewish Coffee House um, at JewishCoffeeHouse.com and uh, on Twitter and, you know, the internet places as well. And may the force be with you and live long and prosper. Bye, everyone.